Once Gone, a Riley Page Mystery, Book One, written by Blake Pierce, narrated by Elaine Wise. Chapter 21 Riley struggled against traffic while trying to keep Marie on the phone. She drove through an intersection after a yellow light switched to red. She was driving dangerously and she knew it. But what else could she do? She was in her own car, not an agency vehicle, so she had no lights and siren. I'm hanging up, Riley, Marie said for the fifth time. No, Riley barked yet again, fighting down a surge of despair. Stay on the phone, Marie. Marie's voice sounded weary now. I can't do this anymore, she said. Save yourself if you can, but I really can't do this. I'm through with this. I'm going to stop it all. Right now. Riley felt ready to explode from panic. What did Marie mean? What was she going to do? You can do this, Marie, Riley said. Goodbye, Riley. No, Riley shouted. Just wait, wait. It's all you have to do. I'll be right there. She was driving much faster than the flow of traffic, wending among the lanes like a madwoman. Several times other drivers honked at her. Don't hang up, Riley demanded fiercely. Do you hear me? Marie said nothing, but Riley could hear her sobbing and keening. The sounds were perversely reassuring. At least Marie was still there. At least she was still on the phone. But could Riley keep her there? She knew that the poor woman was plummeting into an abyss of pure animal terror. Marie no longer had a rational thought in her head. She seemed to be almost insane with fear. Riley's own memory swarmed into her mind. Terrible days in a beast-like state in which the world of humanity simply didn't exist. Total darkness. The feeling of the very existence of a world outside of the darkness slipping away and a complete loss of any sense of the passage of time. I've got to fight it, she told herself. The memories enveloped her. With nothing to hear or see, Riley tried to keep her other senses engaged. She felt the sour taste of fear back in her throat, rising up in her mouth until it turned into an electrical tingling on the tip of her tongue. She scratched at the dirt floor she was sitting on, exploring its dampness. She sniffed the mould and mildew that surrounded her. Those sensations were all that still kept her in the world of the living. Then, in the midst of the blackness, came a blinding light and the roar of Peterson's propane torch. A sharp bump shook Riley out of her hideous reverie. It took her a second to realise that her car had struck against a curb and that she was in danger of veering into oncoming traffic. Horns blared. Riley regained control of her car and looked around. She wasn't far from Georgetown. Marie, she shouted, are you still there? Again, she heard only a muffled sob. That was good. But what could Riley do now? She wavered. She could call for FBI help in D.C., but by the time she explained the problem and got agents sent to the address, God only knew what would happen. Besides, that would mean ending the call with Marie. She had to keep her on the phone. But how? How was she going to pull Marie out of that abyss? She had almost fallen into it herself. Riley remembered something. Long ago, she had been trained in how to keep crisis callers on the line. She'd never had to use that training until now. 
She struggled to remember what she was supposed to do. Those lessons had been so long ago. Part of a lesson came back to her. She was taught to do anything, say anything, to keep the caller talking. It didn't matter how meaningless or irrelevant it might be. What mattered was that the caller kept hearing a concerned human voice. Marie, there's something you need to do for me, Riley said. What's that? Riley's brain was rushing frantically, making up what to say as she went along. I need you to go to your kitchen, she said. I want you to tell me exactly what herbs and spices you've got in your rack. Marie didn't answer for a moment. Riley worried. Was Marie in the right state of mind to go along with such an irrelevant distraction? Okay, Marie said. I'm going there now. Riley breathed a sigh of relief. Perhaps this would buy her some time. She could hear the clinking of spice jars over the phone. Marie's voice sounded truly strange now, hysterical and robotic at the same time. I've got dried oregano and crushed red pepper and nutmeg. Excellent, Riley said. What else? Dried thyme and ground ginger and black peppercorns. Marie paused. How could Riley keep this going? Have you got curry powder? Riley asked. After a clink of bottles, Marie said, No. Riley spoke slowly, as if giving life and death instructions, because really she was doing exactly that. Well, get a pad of paper and a pencil, Riley said. Write that down. You'll need to get it when you buy groceries. Riley heard the sound of scribbling. What else have you got? Riley asked. Then came a deathly pause. This is no good, Riley, Marie said in a tone of numb despair. Riley stammered helplessly. Just, just humour me, OK? Another pause fell. He's here, Riley. Riley felt a rock-hard knot in her throat. He's where? she asked. He's in the house. I get it now. He's been here all along. There's nothing you can do. Riley's thoughts churned as she tried to make sense of what was happening. Marie might be slipping into paranoid delusions. Riley understood this all too well from her own struggles with PTSD. On the other hand, Marie might be telling the truth. How do you know that, Marie? Riley asked, looking for an opportunity to pass a slow-moving truck. I hear him, Marie said. I hear his footsteps. He's upstairs. No, he's in the front hallway. No, he's in the basement. Is she hallucinating? Riley wondered. It was entirely possible. Riley had heard more than her share of non-existent noises in the days after her abduction. Even recently, she sometimes couldn't trust her five senses. Trauma played awful tricks on the imagination. He's everywhere in the house, Marie said. No, Riley replied firmly. He can't be everywhere. Riley managed to pass a sluggish delivery truck. A sense of futility was rolling over her in what felt like tidal waves. It was a terrible feeling, almost like drowning. When Marie spoke again, she was no longer sobbing. She sounded resigned now, even mysteriously tranquil. Maybe he's like a ghost, Riley. Maybe that's what happened when you blew him up. You killed his body, but you didn't kill his evil. Now he can be in a whole lot of places at once. Now 
There's no stopping him, ever. You can't fight a ghost. Give it up, Riley. You can't do anything. I can't either. All I can do is not let the same thing happen to me again. Don't hang up. I need you to do something else for me. There was a moment's silence. Then Marie said, What? What now, Riley? I need you to stay on this line, but I need you to call 911 on your landline. Marie's voice turned into a slight growl. Jesus, Riley, how many times do I have to tell you that I cut off my landline? In her confusion, Riley had forgotten. Marie actually sounded a little irritated. That was good. Anger was better than panic. Besides, Marie continued, what good's it going to do to call 911? What can they do to help me? Nobody can help. He's everywhere. He'll get me sooner or later. He'll get you, too. We both might as well give up. Riley felt stymied. Marie's delusions were taking on an intractable logic of their own, and she didn't have time to persuade Marie that Peterson was not a ghost. We're friends, aren't we, Marie? Riley finally said. You once told me that you'd do anything for me. Was that true? Marie started crying again. Of course it's true. Then hang up and call 911. There doesn't have to be a reason. It doesn't have to do any good. Just do it, because I want you to. A long pause fell. Riley couldn't even hear Marie breathing. I know you want to give up, Marie. I understand. That's your choice. But I don't want to give up. Maybe it's stupid, but I don't. That's why I'm asking you to call 911. Because you said you'd do anything for me. And I want you to do it. I need you to do it. For me. The silence continued. Was Marie even still on the line? Do you promise? She asked. The call ended with a click. Whether Marie would call for help or not, Riley couldn't leave anything to chance. She picked up her cell phone and punched in 911. This is Special Agent Riley Page, FBI, she said when the operator answered. I'm calling about a possible intruder, someone extremely dangerous. Riley gave the operator Marie's address. We'll have a team there right away, the operator said. Good, Riley said, and ended the call. Riley then tried Marie's number again but got no response. Someone has to get there in time, she thought. Someone has to get there right now. Meanwhile, she struggled against a renewed flood of dark memories. She had to get control of herself. Whatever was about to happen next, she needed to keep her wits about her. When Marie's red brick townhouse came into view, Riley felt a surge of alarm. No emergency vehicles had yet arrived. She heard police sirens wailing in the distance. They were on their way. Riley double-parked her car and dashed for the front door, realising she was the first responder. When she tried the doorknob, the door swung open. But why was it unlocked? She stepped inside and drew her gun. Marie! Riley called out. Marie! No answer came. Riley knew for certain that something awful had happened here, or was happening right now. She stepped further into the front hallway. Marie! she called again. The house remained silent. The police sirens were louder now, but no help had yet arrived. 
Riley was starting to believe the worst now, that Peterson had been here and perhaps still was here. She made her way along the dimly lit hallway. She kept calling Marie's name as she studied every door. Might he be in the closet to the left? What about the bathroom door over to the right? If she encountered Peterson, she wouldn't be taken by him again. She would kill the bastard once and for all. This has been Once Gone, a Riley Page Mystery, Book One. Written by Blake Pierce. Narrated by Elaine Wise. Copyright 2016 by Blake Pierce. Production Copyright 2016 by Blake Pierce.